since that day, my vision was clear. I knew what I wanted to do in my life, to be close to the ocean, to surf. And yeah, that's it. Once you have the vision, then you just prepare. If it takes you 10 years, it's fine. You just need to get there and not forget why you do that. And to be honest now, I got four companies, startups. I make very little money compared to when I was in Singapore. Very, very little money compared to my INSEAD colleagues. But I've never been happier in my life. Hello and welcome to the INSEAD Emerging Markets Podcast, where we interview business leaders and emerging market experts on business innovations, market opportunities, and macro-level trends in emerging and frontier market countries. Join us for the next hour to dive deep into the world of emerging markets as we speak with top performers who are successfully investing, working, and living in these markets themselves. Welcome to this month's episode of the NCAD Emerging Markets Podcast. Today, we are joined by Matthew Chauveau. Matthew is the founder and managing director of Tropic Invest. Tropic Invest is a real estate and hospitality investment firm that focuses on the country of Indonesia, especially in Bali, where Matthew is based. In addition to investing in properties from warehouses to real estate and building and operating a really interesting hotel concept. He spends his free time building orphanages, cleaning up beaches, and surfing when he does have the extra time. Part of the main reason that he is in Bali is surfing, he told me. Very interesting, very cool guy. So happy to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here, Matthew. Thanks for having me, Nick. I'm happy to uh, to be there and to talk about what we are doing here in Bali. Pretty lucky to live there. Especially the last two years have been pretty amazing. And yeah, with Tropic Invest, we started a, a year and a half now. Uh, with the main goal was to help foreign investors to invest in Indonesia. Because Indonesia can be a bit scary for investors because of the regulation, the culture, the language. Um, so we are here to connect local actors with foreign investors. So we started like that as a small consultancy firm. And now... We expand our business. We are um, developing a hotel in Bali. We raised a million dollars last year, and we hope to open by the end of this year. We also open a new real estate agency in about 10 days in Bali as well. And now in terms of consultancy, we are helping big firm private equity in, in Asia and Europe to invest, especially in Jakarta, for instance, in warehouses, data centers, so a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds like you keep yourself very busy. <laughs> so I was wondering if you could tell me a bit more about the hotel you're building, particularly because one would assume that it would not be the easiest task to enter hospitality in Bali in the middle of the COVID pandemic when everything was closed. So I was curious about how that came about and also how you managed to raise the funds for it in such an environment. Yeah, it was a pretty, pretty scary and very easy at the same time. So I don't know if I'm lucky or not. But uh, what happened is with my business partner in Tropic Invest, we found a piece of land about a year ago. And we we're like, yeah, okay, it's not too expensive. It's a beautiful location in Sidemen in Bali. Check it out. It's pretty amazing. And we we're like, okay, let's take the, let's buy the land and see later what, uh, what we do with it. And I was on the phone with a few, a uh, few of my friends, especially colleagues and ex-classmates at INSEAD. And they were like, Oh, what do you do in Bali? I was like, Oh, we know we are trying to launch Tropic Invest and we, uh, we found this, this piece of land. And, and in about a week and a half, two weeks, I already had four friends from INSEAD willing to put like 50K in our project. But when I say project, 
I didn't have anything at all. I just had a video of, of the lens, but no business plan, no deck, nothing. So when they commit, like, okay, we want to do something with you, like, okay, <laughs> maybe it's time to think about what we can do. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we started to do some uh, market research. I worked for Accor in, for eight years. So um, my background is in hospitality, in finance and operations. So obviously, hotel was the first uh, choice. And uh, we put a few slides together to come up with a story and a vision of what we, we plan to do in Sidemen. And then in about a month and a half, we already had 500K USD committed for our project, which is pretty amazing in 20, wow. 2020. Imagine it was in April last year, full COVID, Bali was closed, no tourists for a year. And year and a half, and still in about a month and a half, we had already 50% of the budget committed with investors without any sweeties, without any like strong business plan. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a lot of pressure, obviously. But I think that's the power of the network and I mean, the trust as well. Like, people they, they believe I can do it. But uh, yeah, that, that's how it started. And so now we just finalized the architecture and we start the construction by the end of this month. So yeah, it's pretty exciting, pretty exciting. And basically, briefly, the, the project is a, a very small boutique hotel, 10 rooms and villas targeting, you know, couples and people who really want to experience something unique. And I think I was reading an article today about the future of Bali and the tourism uh, industry, in the tourism experts calling for hotels to decrease their prices. But I think it's wrong. I think Bali tomorrow will grow by offering a memorable experience. Uh, it's not about being cheap. It's, 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 to, it's all about being the best, best infrastructures, best services. There are a lot of opportunities, especially now that people everywhere in the world they worked online for two years, so they are used to work online now. So all these people, they will want to come to Bali to stay for a few months. So in terms of real estate and developments, there are, there are a lot of things to do in Bali at the moment and in Indonesia in general. Sure. So I think you mentioned about how some of the hotels in Bali are moving to a more low price budget tourism model. And I was curious what it is that is your vision for your hotel. What's your differentiator that may be different from what some of the major players are doing on the island? So we have three pillars around sustainability. I think it's very, very important. Trying to use the right materials to save as much as possible water, electricity, etc., etc. Um, the second is about the service. It's all about the service, how you uh, welcome the guests, how you uh, serve the food, all the, the experience that you, uh, you, you live uh, at the hotel. And then the third pillar is about transparency. It's about uh, really talking and giving everything with, uh, with our hearts. And not, it's not about maximizing profits at all costs but also to give back to the community. Uh, that's why, for instance, the owner of the land is involved in our project. He will receive a, a percentage of the profits that, we, that the hotel will generate. But I think that if you give, you receive. So that's, uh, that's our approach. And we definitely don't want to be cheap. It's all about the experience. I think nowadays people, they want to uh, experience unique things, right? It's not about buying stuff anymore or maybe buying less stuff but spending more in uh, in experience 
And so if you can, if you manage to offer a great service, great food, and the tourists, when they come, they are not only seen as payers, buyers, but also they can contribute. They can meet the local community, discover new things around the hotels. I think that's how the hospitality businesses will uh, will strive in the future. Because now I don't think like huge hotels with five or 600 rooms will strive in the future. And you need, as hoteliers, you need to, uh, to find... Uh, position yourself versus Airbnb and all these guys. And it's through service and experience. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you have a very service oriented mindset of giving back to the community, sustainability, creating a, a great experience for the guests. I was wondering where that comes from and where the idea for your company came from. Was it something that you'd wanted to do prior to coming to INSEAD or where did this develop and where did you get these values from that you seem so committed to? I always thought that businesses, it's also the slogan of INSEAD, like, you know, using business as a force for good. I really believe in that. Uh, When I did INSEAD, I started my first company, a sustainable jewelry business with my brother and and his wife. And I always thought that I always wanted to use business to create something better, you know. Mm. So that's, that's how it started. And my passion is surfing. And if you come to Bali during the winters, the raining season, the beaches are really, really bad. There are plastics everywhere. It's smelly. You are, I cannot almost surf uh, in Changu because it's, it's so dirty. So by experiencing that in my life, I feel like businesses have a huge responsibilities uh, toward yeah, sustainability, giving back. Uh, we are also planning to open an orphanage this year. So to be honest, it took a while. I think when I started my career, I was more like egocentric, uh, smartass, just trying to, <laughs> to have a great career, make money and buying stuff. And yeah, you know, after a while working in the corporate world, I realized that that's not what matters the most, at least for me. And I, I feel like now I'm much more happier trying to create something that makes sense in terms of business and the people I work with rather than just, you know, running after money and titles. And, uh, so, yeah, but I think the, the, my ecological conscious came with surfing, but it's, it's terrible during the, the winter. And the government will not do anything, so it's up to us to, to change that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I've been to Bali many times. And unfortunately, I've seen the trash on the beach that you've talked about. And it is incredibly sad, but it is great also to see the work that the private community is doing there to remedy the problem. But maybe on a more happy note, it seems like you're living the life that a lot of people would like to live, surfing in Bali on the day and running your own investment firm slash hospitality business. And I was wondering If you could give some pointers, going back to the point you made earlier about how easy it was to raise money for you, my question would be, what would you attribute that to? Was it due to the professional relationships and network you'd built up over the years? Or was there something in your vision that just stood out so much that people wanted to invest? What was the one factor that you would say, above all else, made it so easy for you to raise money so quickly in such a difficult environment? Uh, I think I would say there are um, three main reasons. And the first one is the experience. So I worked in hospitality before. 
So obviously developing a hotel makes sense. My business partner works in a hospitality for years as well. So we had a strong team at the beginning. And you know, when you try to raise money in any kind of startups, it's all about the team, the team, and the team, right? Mm. It's all about who's going to lead the project. So I think the strong team is one of the main reasons. The second reason is the network. Obviously, INSEAD helps. <laughs> and my close network as well. All the investors, I know them. So definitely it helps to network, to know people. And they trust you and they give you the money to, to do it. So the network for sure. And then I think the third I would say the preparation, uh, my background is in finance. So I know how to use Excel and to speak with, uh, with financials. So when you try to raise money, it's very important. Financials and the projects, and also to be fully transparent when you raise money and to tell the investors, okay, that's where we are going. That's today, I don't have all the answers, but uh, that's our vision. That's how we want to do it. The team is there. You can trust us and I'm going to share everything. And if there is, uh, you will know everything what's happening with the project. So I've got a WhatsApp group with all the investors. I share uh, the advancement of the project every two to three weeks. And, you know, communication, communication, communication. But I think at the beginning, yeah, it's really the team and uh, the network, the trust. The team, the team, the team. I think yeah. that's the most important. You hear that a lot, but it, it's... Yeah. Interesting to see it actually in action. That it's especially, uh, yeah, especially in Indonesia, because the main barrier for investors in Indonesia is the trust factor. Is uh, you heard about stories in Bali, people losing their lands, people trusting other people, and they built uh, shit stuff. They lost their. They, I mean, you you heard the very uh, heartbreaking stories. So it's, I would say it's not that hard when, <laughs> when people can trust you and you can bring this uh, transparency and trust because people that are used, they, they are not really used to that, but it's yeah, all about the trust, especially in energy markets, not only Indonesia, but I, I guess if you invest in Thailand, in Vietnam, in Cambodia, it's the same. You want to, uh, to make sure that there is no dodgy stuff around. So investors, where they want to invest in people they can trust. And obviously for me, my business, it's all about my reputation. So they know that, especially my network from inside, let's say, mm. know that by investing in me, I will give 100% to make that success. Because if I, if I don't succeed, then I'm, I'm done. My company is done. It's all about the networking. So if I lose my reputation, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> so that's why. You have to put yourself in front, invest your, your money, your time, and be like, okay, we are on the same boat. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned some of the challenges of working in an emerging market, the issues people have to deal with when it comes to trust on contracts and so on. I was wondering if there are any other big challenges that you faced or differences you've seen working in an emerging market versus a developed market. Well, developing in France can be a huge pain. <laughs> so it's not only emerging markets. <laughs> it's even sometimes I think it's easier to do business in Indonesia than in France, for instance. <laughs> let's be let's be clear on that. But um, yeah, I think the main challenge is I'll talk about in, yeah, Indonesia because I know the country, the language barrier, especially if you deal with like local local like owners. Usually they don't speak English, so you need to learn Bahasa. You need to have uh, someone that you can trust, can deal with uh, all these uh, these people. 
um, the difference, you know, in culture, it just takes a lot of time. So you need to be very patient. It's definitely you know, like in Singapore, where you arrive in two, 20 minutes, okay, the agenda, we do the deal, blah, blah, blah. In Indonesia, you go, you eat for two hours, and then maybe you do another lunch, and then a third lunch, and then after the first lunch, you start talking about business. <laughs> sure. So it's a very long process to build relationships. Sure. And, uh, and also, I think the regulation is quite tricky. I mean, you need to understand how it works. Only if, if, if I take an example, when you look for land, you need to check so many things like zoning, certificates, mortgage, or road access, water access, etc., etc., etc. And if you are not taking the time to do that, you can do a very costly mistakes. Mm. And and also, I, again, I, I come back to the to the trust. But it's, it's difficult to find the right people and the right partners. It took me a year and a half to find the right partners because, unfortunately, Bali, they are a lot of people that you cannot trust. And they are looking at making a, a very quick money. And they, some of them, they, they talk well, but then they, you know, they, they don't deliver. So you need to be careful. That's why also we started this real estate agency. Again, to bring this trust for clients. So in Indonesia, you need a local partner to operate a business there. Is, is that um, the, re- the reason why? Or? No, not really. Uh, you can create a PTPMA, mm-hmm. which is a company that can be owned by 100% by foreigners. Mm-hmm. So I've got three now. <laughs> yeah. Very busy. So you don't. it depends on your business, but some business you don't need a local. But you don't need local in your company. But you always need the local partners to build, to just to have a peaceful life. For instance, in Sidemen, the hotel is surrounded by, there is a village around. And so, you know, you just need to talk to the neighbor, to uh, be part of the ceremonies, to, uh, to spend a bit of money to, uh, for the local school. But I, I, think it's, I think it's great because we as foreigners, can make business and also live there and make money there. So I think it's normal that we uh, participate to the local economy, that we pay our taxes, and we hire also the the local. I think it's a way as well to uh, to redistribute uh, what we can create. And also, frankly, if you don't do that, you are going to live in hell. So, I mean, when you're expats, don't forget that you don't live in your own country. So <laughs> right. it's very simple, but a lot of foreigners, they forget that in Bali mm-hmm. uh, and in Indonesia, because Indonesian, they are super nice, mm-hmm. super nice people. But at some point, if you, uh, if you mess with them, they will mess with you. And uh, yeah, you need to, remi- to remember that. <laughs> sure. It's just about the respect, right? Sure. If you arrive and you, are, you respect the local population and your local partners, everything is fine. If not, well, well. <laughs> sure. Do you have any best practices or tips for building relationships with the local community, or is it basically just operating out of respect and? Yeah, respect. Spend time. Spend time going to the ceremonies, doing the offerings, talking to them. Yeah, just participating to the local local culture. I mean, it's everywhere, right? If you are in France, for instance, you arrive in a new village, it will be the same. If you don't go to the local uh, cafe. 
<laughs> and you don't go to the local uh, local pub to introduce yourself to the locals, then the local will uh, will make your life hell. So it's exactly the same in Indonesia. You just need to, to be respectful and to show that you want to uh, live to live in good relationship with them. Sure, makes sense. So, what's your ultimate goal with Tropic Invest? If I could talk to you 20 years from now, what would you say would be a success? I think my my goal. That's why I I started my businesses is to, to be free and to be happy. And it's related to business. Uh, when I worked in Singapore, I worked 80 hours a week. I was really miserable. The team was great, but I didn't really enjoy my, my work. And I worked too much. I didn't have the, I wasn't really motivated by my job. And today, my goal in the future is to be able to reach a certain level of revenue, of exciting projects that I can just work remotely. If I want to go two months in France to visit my parents, I can do that. If I want to travel two months with my family in South America, for instance, in a van to go surfing in five different countries, one of my life goals is I can do that. I just need a computer or, or phone. And that's why my for all my companies, what I try to do is really to be as efficient as possible. And everything I do, I think about can I automatize it? Can I outsource it? And if I cannot, then I need to take care of it. But I will always find a way to delegate, to find the right talent, to train the right people and to give responsibilities so I can save time for, for surfing, for my girlfriend, for, for her daughter. For, yeah. So the, the right balance. Uh, it's definitely not making a, a lot of money. I mean, I'm pretty sure I will, but that's not the ultimate goal. The goal is happiness. Yeah. Sure. Good. I totally agree with that. I think that as you get older, it becomes clear that freedom, happiness, time are what's most important and money can be a tool to help you attain those, but it's just the tool. But I think that you've chosen the path of entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship is your vehicle towards attaining freedom and happiness. And it is for a lot of people, I think one of the best vehicles. So I was wondering if you could give advice for people who may be interested in entrepreneurship, because while it is a vehicle to get there, it's also something that scares a lot of people. And a lot of people feel that it may be more risky than climbing the corporate ladder and then finding happiness in that sort of a path. Talking about entrepreneurship, it was funny when I, when I was at INSEAD, was kind of not like one of the only one who started a company. I think we were mm. 10 or 15 to start a company after the MBA mm. on a class of 550 people or something like that. So it's very, very small. Sure. And I think many people want to become entrepreneur, but many, uh, very few take the risk. And I think the most important is to have, for me, it's really important to remember that. And I had this kind of enlightenment when I was working working in Singapore, that I didn't want to, to work my ass off until uh, 70 years old and then to enjoy my life for five years. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, of course, it's risky. Of course, you uh, you don't get your salary every month. There are a lot of pressure and stress that gives you some freedom. And if you prepare correctly and if you have uh, the right network and if you uh, you give yourself 100%, you can, you can do it and it's feasible and you can... And there are many ways to, to train yourself today and to find uh, the right network of people. I mentor entrepreneurs from INSEAD and guys in Indonesia. And I think they are, it's very easy today to find mentors. I mean, it's not that easy, but uh, 
to find resources to help you start your business. So I think that it's feasible, it's possible, it's tough, but it's it worth the the journey, the adventure. <laughs> so, so it was it was straight out of INSEAD that you started the business then, or yeah, I started at INSEAD. Mm-hmm. And yeah, since then I started four companies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So were there particular resources that were most helpful for you? I know there are entrepreneur in residence at NCA and some yeah, clubs entrepreneurs, and in, entrepreneurs in residence. Again, the team is very important. The guys you start business with and, and the vision. Like, why do you want to do it? My vision was clear. My vision was I want to be in Bali to serve. That's, sure. that's my goal. Sure. But to do that, I need to earn a bit of money, right? right. <laughs> so I need to start to be, and I don't want to work for anybody. Sure. So that was my uh, like rough vision, mm. like freedom and being able to live wherever I want. And then you just write it somewhere and put it on your wall. And every morning you're like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> awesome. But uh, yeah, but it's tough. It's, uh, it's tough, but it's, it's exciting. Do you have any mentors that have been really helpful for you in, in terms of this business, or yeah, and uh, my main mentor at Insider was uh, Alexis. Oh, yeah, works in Singapore, Insiders as well, CEO of uh, Sharp Events. He invests as well in CDMN, great, great mentors. And uh, Christophe and Vincent, a few people I met when I was in Singapore and in Indonesia that really, I think, what the most important is they give advice, but they give support because when you start a business and you're alone just a team of two or two or three, you have a lot of dubs, dubs, and every weeks or months, you're like, oh my gosh, I should go back to the corporate and get a salary and why do I do that? And you call this guy and they're like, no, 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 don't worry, the idea is good. You can change a bit that or that, but uh, you need to uh, you need to be strong. Don't worry, the money will come. Uh, so you, it's more like the mental support because entrepreneurship is, is a lonely journey. So be sure to be well uh, Surrounded by your kind of board of director that you can call and they, they light you up. <laughs> Very important. It's really important. Aside from mentors, is there anything else that keeps you motivated or helps you continue towards your vision when you do feel lonely like that? Yeah, I think, again, I think the vision is very important to know why you do it. To me, again, it was, I almost burnt out when I was in Singapore. And I can tell you, I remember even after five days, five years later, my enlightenment day. I took a few days in Bali. I surfed. I was drinking a bintang on the beach, nice and set. And I was like, well, I think I could do that every day. <laughs> so that was my day. I was like, okay, let's say uh, it took me three years to uh, leave my job, to do inside and come back to Bali. So it's not like one day and the day after you, uh, you leave everything, you know, you have to prepare. Sure. But uh, I always had this, since that day, my vision was clear. I knew what I wanted to do in my life, where I wanted to live, to be close to the ocean, to surf. And yeah, that's it. Once you have the vision, then you just prepare and you do. If it takes you three years, five years, 10 years, it's fine. You just need to get there and not forget why you do that. And to be honest now, I got four, four companies, startups. I make very little money compared to when I was in Singapore. Very, very little money compared to my INSEAD colleagues who works in BCG, Bain, McKinsey, Amazon, all these big companies. But I've never been happier in my life than today. So mm. I think I made, at least for me, I think I made the right decision. Awesome. Oh, love it. 
I think that's a perfect way to end. Uh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And uh, it's uh, always, always cool to share, share our experience. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the NCAD Emerging Markets Podcast. To stay up to date on events we may be hosting, emerging market news, and to build your personal network, please feel free to join the NCAD Alumni Emerging Markets Interest Group on LinkedIn.